Asshole Cord is a bi-weekly podcast in which a group of lifelong friends choose a controversial public figure and examine their history through available public records and various publications to determine if that person is as much of an asshole as the general public suspects. We rate the subjects on a not-so-scientific scale, ranging from Mr. Rogers to Hitler, 1 to 11, and average out the three scores in the end for our final number. Just a reminder, our judgment has no legal weight, is strictly an opinion, and is subject to change at any time especially in the case of new evidence. It shouldn't be taken seriously, so just don't. If you've been watching the news lately, you've likely seen numerous statues being toppled by angry protesters. They may be statues of slave traders or Confederate generals or other similar historical figures. And our subject today happens to be just such a figure. In fact, he probably holds the record for statues dropped, with multiple statues of his likeness taken down, broken, and even in one case, beheaded. I'm talking about Christopher Columbus. Growing up in the 1980s and 90s, we were raised to believe that old Christopher Columbus was an exceptional man, a revolutionary mind who discovered the new world and thus paved the way for the United States itself. Hell, we practically thought of him as an American. But those days appear to be long gone. Over the past couple of decades, the general public has begun to reconsider the man himself. How great was Columbus, really? He certainly wasn't the first European to make it to the New World. The Vikings had done that hundreds of years earlier. And his behavior upon landfall in the New World certainly appears troubling when one looks further into it. Was he really all that great? But then again, some protesters recently made the mistake of tearing down the statue of an avid and brave slavery abolitionist. So is it possible that all the anger directed at Columbus is a misguided, exaggerated effort popularized by the woke cancel culture? Is there a valid reason that he has his own holiday? Or are those that have toppled the statues across the world in the past few months correct? Is Columbus a falsely sanctified monster? A man so horrible that his behaviors and crime transcend the historical argument that he was merely a man of his time? Today we answer those questions and more. This is Christopher Columbus. This is Asshole Court. Okay, guys, so uh, preliminary scores. I'll go first. All righty. So everybody studies Christopher Columbus in school. Uh, you learn about how he sailed the ocean blue in 1492. That's right. Um, yeah. We've definitely come to realize he never landed in America or the United States. Not in States. North America. Not yeah. In Nor- yeah, pretty much central in the islands and Caribbean, things like that. Yeah. yeah. You hear the backstories about some of the dirty things i'm sure we'll get into mm-hmm. but keep it short and sweet i'll be very interested to see some of the details that we learned today i'll go preliminary of a 6.0 for 6. Christopher oh for randy and buddy what you got all right so of course you learn about christopher columbus back in what like fourth grade yeah you know third fourth grade you start learning about him and yeah, like Randy had talked about, you think that he like pretty much just sailed right on into like Virginia or somewhere around there and started up a settlement. It does feel that way. You know, but yeah, yeah, no, it's not like that at all. I don't remember hearing many stories about him being an asshole back in elementary school, but I do seem to recall stories about, you know, like the the blankets that they the disease ridden blankets maybe that they would give to some of the locals and stuff like that and i don't know if maybe i'm crossing that with the indians i think that was a later on in time but it's just sort of a general consensus about how we treated the natives yeah exactly so i don't know if he was at the head of all that or if it just happened by proxy and stuff like that so i'm gonna go a little bit light on him from the jump i do think that he had to be a little bit of an asshole to be able to get what he wanted and do what he wanted to do. So I'm going to give him a 6.5 off of the rip. Okay. And I uh, I selected the topic. I know a little bit about him. The research helped me discover more, but I'll go back with and say, I'm just for the sake of this conversation, I'm going to score him at a 5 because when I was growing up, I felt that he was uh, probably a pretty good dude, but you know, wasn't perfect. So Yeah, sure. There you go. All right. So with the 6.5 from Buddy... 
a 6.0 from Randy and a 5.0 from Mikey. Christopher Columbus pre-show asshole score is a 5.83 repeating. All right. You guys ready to roll? Let's do it. All right. Okay. Because this occurred so long ago and record keeping wasn't what it is today, pinning down the facts on the early life of Christopher Columbus is actually pretty difficult. So I settled on the parts that most historians agree on, most of which is based on his own testimony that he made in 1498 and also archival documents from Genoa and Savona. Christopher Columbus is born October 31st, 1451. Halloween. Halloween. Ooh, spooky. Yeah. He's born in Genoa, a city in modern-day northern Italy. Uh, the eldest son of Domenico Colombo, who's a, a Genoese wool worker and a merchant, and Susanna Fontarosa, who is his wife. Was he a, a salami dealer? Well, Genoa is known for salami. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's you, delicious. I was about to say, you may actually be familiar with Genoa because of its tasty, tasty meat export, which is salami. Mm, and I love salami. Anyway, uh, Domenico owned a cheese stand at which young Christopher worked as a helper. And it was here where Domenico and Christopher harnessed the power of the town's salami and Domenico's cheese talents to engineer the Italian submarine sandwich. I'm just kidding. Uh, if that were true, I would immediately remove at least two points from Chris's asshole score because the Italian sub is a gift to mankind. According to Columbus... What were they making, like charcuterie boards over there on the side? I think so. You know, yeah. high-end shit. Dried meats. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's always... Aged there was cheeses. No, there was no refrigeration back then. Nah. So, according to Columbus, he went to sea at the tender age of only 10. But around 18 or 19 in 1470, his family decided to move to Savona. His father, Domenico, took over a tavern, but Christopher took employment as a sailor on a Genoese ship hired in the service of René of Anjou to support his attempt to conquer the kingdom of Naples. The thing to remember here is that at the time, there was no united Italy. The area was basically a conglomerate of tiny nation states that were almost perpetually at war. Florence was the most powerful of these states, and they were run by the Medici dynasty, who, interestingly enough, created modern accounting interesting oh wow yeah they started banks thanks guys yeah and i wonder if like you know the sicilian culture of sicily was one of those independent nation states and kind of its own deal back then and that's why you get a lot of that nationalistic pride coming out of yeah sicily sicily yeah sicily there was florence there was venice there was of course genoa and stuff right. like that but they were all individual nation states in fact if you really get into it that's where Machiavelli's book, The Prince, comes out of is that entire space. So it's actually very, very, all through your body. That's right. Blows Tup like a 12-gauge shoddy. Tupac actually was a, a court jester uh, for the Medici in uh, Florence. <laughs> no, but it really actually is a very super interesting uh, piece of history because, like I said, the entire modern world of banking originates from the Medici in Florence. Hmm. So the Rothschilds were like, man, those Medici guys really know what the fuck's going on. They invented, it's it's crazy to think about. It's like the thing where you think about, you know, the chocolate chip cookie seems like it's always existed. Sort of the same thing here where they invented double entry bookkeeping. And that was like a big fucking deal. Huh, like, yeah. And that's where you come from. So now, like I said, he went to, uh, to war or whatever. I don't know how the campaign turned out. There wasn't much I could find about it. But I do like to imagine that a young Christopher Columbus got stabbed in the ass by a guy in one of those ship to ship pirate battles. So I'm <laughs> by going, a bayonet. Yeah. I mean, so I was like, I'm just gonna go ahead and say that it definitely happened. Christopher Columbus took a dagger to the ass in brutal hand to hand combat with a Neapolitan soldier named Wario. <laughs> <laughs> it's a me. That's it. Following his vicious ass stabbing by the evilly mustachioed Wario, Columbus recovers and begins an apprenticeship as a business agent with three important Genoan families, the Centurions, De Negros, and Spinola families. In May of 1476, he once again joins an armed convoy, though this time is to ensure the safe passage of valuable cargo from Northern Europe. Do you know where they were shipping? They didn't Spices, say. maybe? Probably something like that. But they said that during this time, it's assumed that he actually landed at a certain point in Bristol, England, and Galway, Ireland, and possibly even went all the way up to Iceland, although that is disputed by some historians. Hmm. Another arguable occurrence during this time also takes place in 1476, and that's, uh, according to some, Christopher Columbus is on board a ship that is attacked by pirates off the coast of Portugal, Cape St. Francis to be more precise. The ship is sunk, and Columbus manages to find like a nice chunk of shipwreck that he uses to swim back many miles to the shore of Lisbon. 
old Leonardo DiCaprio style. I was just about off to say Titanic. Of Titanic yeah. But he made it. Yeah. 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 yeah didn't well, he didn't have death. Rose yeah. there to, you know, like be a bitch about she, it, not she said, share. I'll never let you go as she lets him go. It's one of the dumbest <laughs> things I've ever seen. It's supposed to be the like emotional apex of the story. And I remember watching, I was like, she. She just let him go. That's what she, I'll never let you go as she breaks his icy hand off of hers and he sinks below. And what's funny is they did someone on, on the Internet, of course, did a uh, actual like a breakdown that there was plenty of room for Jack oh, to yeah. be on that door. I yeah. saw there was like nine different positions they could have laid <laughs> yeah, in. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah, he swims all the way to Lisbon again. Some people say this happened. Some people didn't. Caught a fish this big. <laughs> exactly, dude. Luckily for him, he happens to run into his brother Bartolomeo in the city of Lisbon, and they hang out together. They go to sporting events, strip clubs, and weekend camping expeditions. <laughs> Bros for life. They get matching tattoos after a heavy night of drinking. Live, laugh, love. That's right. Yeah, it was probably the Italian version. Actually, they got their family crest over an Italian sub. I was going to say maybe that anchor on their ass tattoo or on their arm, maybe. That's what yeah. you got to get. Yeah. Ship sail love. Yeah. <laughs> ship fuck. So, so funny side note uh christopher columbus's name in italian is christopher colombo mm -hmm. and if you've ever seen national lampoon's vacation mm -hmm. where uh clark griswold has to get off the highway i believe he's in st louis st louis yeah he's in st louis and he pulls into a real seedy part of town and um he asks the guy sir do you know how to get back to the highway and he looks at him and says, who I look like? Christopher Colombo? <laughs> One of my favorite lines It ever. is. And we uh, constantly use that line whenever we say Christopher Columbus. So I had actually a really hard time writing this because I kept wanting to say Christopher Colombo. But no, it's Christopher Columbus. Actually, his, uh, his names, they're not even sure if that was like really his name. That's yeah, it has so a bunch of different pronunciations mm -hmm. depending on what language you yeah. look at. Yeah. Yeah. But obviously his brother and him didn't, you know, go to strip clubs and get tattoos. In actuality, both were employed as chart makers, uh, although Columbus actually principally remained a seagoing entrepreneur. So, you know, Columbus's LinkedIn page is getting pretty fucking stacked at this point. <laughs> right. Sunk off of the coast of Portugal, goes to Iceland. That's a big deal back in the day. Oh, yeah. And it's funny when I'm going through this and you're reading about like his contracts with these families and stuff like that and his profession, and you're like, the more things change, the more things stay the same. That dude was just a businessman. Yeah, at the end of the day. yeah exactly. And that's kind of, yeah, it was kind of shocking to read some of that stuff. Yeah. when we're going and researching it. Exactly. And apparently a lot of his work comes from contracts with the previously mentioned Cinturoni family. I'm a contractor. That's it. I mean, honestly, he's, <laughs> he's a legit contractor. He's like a consultant. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, what do we do? How do we go up to Iceland and get the stuff? He's like, well, I've done it before. So let me explain what you're actually looking at here, uh, Mr. Cinturoni. And they're like, what's your hourly rate? I wonder what uh, Cinturoni's first name was. Macaroni? Macaroni, Macaroni Cinturoni? Cinturoni? <laughs> yeah. That's a tough one. 21st Cinturoni? <laughs> <laughs> While he's doing his chart making, sea business guy thing, Columbus also spends time studying mathematics and astronomy, cartography, and navigation, which the navigation thing makes sense, you know, with all the seafaring traveling that he's going to be doing. So Absolutely. It's also in Lisbon that Columbus begins to craft the plan that would make him a name known to this day. Because it's at this time that Christopher Columbus, being the daring genius that he was, thinks, you know what? I don't think the earth is flat. Like all those dickheads at the shipyard keep telling me. I don't think I'll fall off the edge of the earth if I sail west. And I definitely don't think there are fucking sea dragons waiting for me at the edge of it when I do. I'll probably just go all the way around and land in Asia, which is like totally dope because that's where all the valuable trade shit is anyway. He tells his brother Bart, his new wife Philippa, and his newborn son Diego, Chris is about to get fucking paid, boy. That's right. <laughs> okay, let me pause here and point out that this is all bullshit, right? A lot of us were told this exact story when we were kids, but it's not true at all. Even in 1492, most people recognized that the Earth was not flat, yes. that it was round. Pythagoras had proved that almost 2,000 years before Columbus. Hell, there are probably more dumbass motherfuckers right now that think the Earth is flat than there were in Columbus's time. That's true. And I mean, like even Aristotle was going off of Pythagoras's right. work, like, you know, really early on. So by 1492, everybody who was educated pretty much was under the assumption that the Earth was round. Exactly. You know, if I was a philosopher back in the day, that might have been a name I wanted to It's a cool name, Aristotle. It's very cool. Pythagoras kind of, is great, too. Yeah. yeah. The Greeks had cool. Names. to say but it is yeah 
He had a good theorem, I heard. It is. It's uh, something about triangles, I think. Yeah. A squared plus B squared equals C squared. That's the only thing I remember from geometry. <laughs> uh, so, like I said, let's throw that old fable about Columbus out the window, all right? The reality was, of course, that Columbus did want to get to Asia, and there definitely was a bunch of valuable trade shit there. So you mean that he wasn't really just like this guy that had ambitions of going to new places and discovering? No, man. He wanted to go to Asia because that's where all the spices, gold, green tea flavored Kit Kats and Toyotas were. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Gotta make them money, man. Money, man. (laughs) But at the end of the 15th century, it was nearly impossible to reach Asia from Europe by land, mostly due to the long distance arduous conditions and bandits, which are land pirates, basically. Land mm-hmm. pirates. That's right. And though the Portuguese had found a bit of a solution by sailing all the way around Africa, it wasn't really all that practical of one anyways. The ocean gets very angry at the tip of Africa, south of the Cape of Good Hope. The ocean between latitudes of 40 and 50 degrees south of the equator is known as the Roaring Forties because the winds are so strong and therefore seas are so turbulent. Many ships are lost in the effort to skirt around the Cape of Good Hope. Now, is this the, the same as the conditions around like Chile and stuff like exactly. that when they were traveling from the East Coast to the West Coast by going around Certainly. that way? Before the Panama Canal. Yeah. That's why it's called the Roaring Forties. It's just anything between the 40 and 50 degrees latitude. And then there's actually what they call the Furious Fifties, which is between 50 and 60, which is even more fucked up. Well, oh, wow. Closer to Antarctica by that point. That's exactly yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Figuring out a relatively safe way to get to Asia was the economic puzzle of the day for many people around this time, and Columbus was no different. In Lisbon, old Chris powers up that giant brain of his and thinks, why not sail west around the Atlantic instead of around the massive African continent? It's a simple idea, sure, but no doubt not one originated by Columbus. But you see, Christopher had spent his time recently learning all that math, cartography, and navigation shit, right? So he tries to put it to use. He develops a model that says the circumference of the Earth is much smaller than all those egghead scientists at the time thought. He claims that not only is passage to Asia by westward sail possible, but that shit would be like totally easy. All those other guys are fake news. Fake news. All right. I've done the math myself. That's it. (laughs) He decides on a plan. He will take the equivalent of a PowerPoint presentation and start making meetings with various royalty across Europe, the only people that can properly fund his project. Of course, things being what they were back then, getting meetings with legitimate monarchs is a tough, time-intensive task, and it would take years. And during all these years, Columbus continues to read and study, okay? He learns Latin, Portuguese, and Castilian. He becomes very well-read on a variety of subjects, from astronomy to geography and history, and absorbs many famous works. As historian Edmund Morgan describes, quote, Columbus was not a scholarly man, yet he studied these books made hundreds of marginal notations in them, and came out with the ideas about the world that were characteristically simple and strong and sometimes wrong. And he was a master at the New York Times crossword puzzle. He could get at least Mondays and Tuesdays That's done. right. I yeah. lo- Man, I used to, when I was selling cars back in the day, and you had a lot of downtime, our whole team, would, and we would cheat because there would be like five of us <laughs> doing the New York Times puzzle. And yes, Mondays are easier. Yeah. Fridays were always the real the real Sunday's the beast. Sunday is the beast. Sunday yes. is the beast. The mark of the beast. Yep. Because it's the New York <laughs> Times and they are. On the day of the Lord. That's it. <laughs> and Columbus has another reading interest. The Bible. Playboy. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Hugh Hefner was about that old, so. No, it's the Bible, uh, but maybe not so much the moral aspects of the Bible, as will become apparent shortly, but the prophecies and, as he understood it, the divine nature of the Christian mission of conversion. Columbus was what theologians nowadays would refer to as a millennialist or a millenarian. What's that? A millenarian is, it's kind of a weird thing, right? A lot of people confuse it with the idea of major occurrences that coincide with the change of millennia. Remember all the hubbub around the year 2000? Because I certainly do. Uh, But in reality, a millenarian is a loosely defined sort of Christian zealot that focuses on expediting the return of Jesus Christ as prophesied in the biblical book of Revelations, when holiness will prevail on earth and Jesus Christ will reign over the world. So what, they're forcing revelations? That's it. Yeah. They're like, exp- or what is, it? Yeah, is that? Expediting? Expedi- yeah. Yeah. Expediters. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Columbus was so into this shit that towards the end of his life, he produced a book of prophecies in which his career as an explorer is interpreted in the light of Christian eschatology and of apocalypticism. He had a magic eight ball that he would shake. 
Outlook does not look good. Damn it, let me try this thing again. Will Jesus come Ask back again this later. year? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, while Columbus is trying to set up meetings with the royal venture capitalist, he suffers a pretty bad few years in the 1480s. In 1485, while Chris is away on business in Castile, his wife, Philippa, dies. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. He returns to Portugal to collect his son and settle her estate. He then returns to Castile, where he fairly promptly starts boning a 20-year-old, Beatriz Enriquez de Aranha, knocks her up, and then pushes off the rearing of this child to his ill-equipped son, Diego, while he keeps rolling around Europe on business trips and courting royal money for his westward route to the Asia plan. Hey, Diego, daddy's got to go to work, so you got to take care of your little brother or sister. I'm not even sure what it is. (laughs) I got to go to work. Bye. You'll be fine. There's SpaghettiOs in the fucking... (laughs) Here's 20 bucks. Order a pizza. They said he was so... He was horrible. Like, this... Diego didn't know what the fuck he was doing. Yeah. That's... Perfect. Perfect. Now we're starting to get into some of the shitty aspects of him. Uh, And that's not going great either, him trying to track down money, because as he finally gets meetings with a number of royal courts, their number crunchers aren't too keen on old Chris's idea. They're basically like, look, your highness... (laughs) This guy's numbers are fucking way off. The globe is just a whole lot bigger than he thinks it is. And they were right. Yeah. And these monarchs were listening to their guys, to their accountants, their scientists. So Columbus gets a string of no's from royal courts from Portugal, England, France, and actually Spain as well. But ultimately in Spain, Columbus finds a more sympathetic audience in King Ferdinand and Queen Isabella. That's right. But that's actually a little bit simplified as well. Because the reality is that he was turned down at least twice by Ferdinand and Isabella. They were also listening to their experts. And they were all saying, you know, dude, this guy, this math is wrong. It's way further away than he thinks it is. So what did he do that actually caused the tides to turn? Exactly. And what did change is that even in the 15th century, the rule was, it's not what you know. It's it's who who you you know. know. Columbus, you see, had the luck of having befriended the Spanish treasurer, Luis de Santagal. They spent the summer of 1491 hanging out at Santa Gal's estate. Did they have sex? Who knows? It was but, the summer of 1491. <laughs> but because I can speculate without consequence here, I'm going to say they probably had sex. Yeah, I'm going to say that they did too. He was just young and experimenting. <laughs> That's it, you know? There, uh, the, the convention of homosexuality was viewed differently back then. It was more or less like a handshake between good old friends. Uh, <laughs> a blowjob's not a blowjob in jail that's, Anyway, Santagel, who had been one of the Queen's uh, most trusted confessors Is fresh off a solid bro sesh with Columbus And gets in the ear of the Spanish monarchs And they're finally like, fuck it Give that dude a little cash and let's see what happened What do we got to lose? Exactly, what can it hurt? Well, if you're an Arawak Indian <laughs> Turns out it can hurt a lot Yeah. Oh yeah So they do And now we're into the meat of why Christopher Columbus might be considered a giant asshole. As you mindlessly scroll on your phone while waiting in line for coffee, like us on all your favorite social media platforms. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at AHC Podcast. Thanks for the support. Now, back to the show. In 1492, Columbus sails the ocean blue, and as it turns out, his math was wrong. The only thing that saves him from a mutiny is that there's like another fucking continent on the way to the one he was trying to get to. <laughs> details, details. Yeah. Another interesting thing about the voyage. Do you guys remember the names of the ships? The Nina, Nina the Pinta, and the Santa Maria. That's, that's right. right. Well, that isn't really accurate. Yeah, I heard about that. In 15th century Spain, ships were traditionally named after saints. Salty sailors, however, bestowed less than sacred names upon their vessels Mariners dubbed one of the three ships on Columbus's 1492 voyage the Pinta, Spanish for the Painted One or Prostitute. The Santa Clara. They meant the Painted One. That's it, the Painted Lady. They were like, hey, I'll sell you this ship. What's your name? Whore. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, they were like drunk old guys that own boats now that yeah. have to name their boats. Yeah. You know, and- we're going to ride this whore all the way to Asia. <laughs> so, Mrs. Smith, my seventh grade teacher, lied to me, huh? It's true. We all were lied to, but they were lied to. It's a long chain of lies. She was a sweet lady. Still yeah, is. Still yeah. is. Yeah. Well, you Liar. Know. 
bitch. <laughs> I just found out that one of my favorite teachers was a fucking lying bitch. Yeah. <laughs> or maybe just dumb. <laughs> <laughs> the Santa Clara, meanwhile, was nicknamed the Nina in honor of its owner, Juan Nino. Uh, although the Santa Maria is called by its official name, its actual nickname was La Gallega after the province of Galicia in which it was built. Juan and Nino I, sounds like a like Spanish thug or something like that, or like a Spanish mob boss. Nino was, Brown. That was one of our, when we, back in the 90s growing up, we had all given ourselves rap names. And one of our friends' name, his rap name was Thug Nino. <laughs> I remember. Yes. What was uh, what was all of our names? Mine was Scrape Leg. I was Mr. Meaner. That's right. What was I? You were rough. Uh, you were rough Tito. Rough Tito. Rough Tito. <laughs> <laughs> rough Tito. Thug Nino. And the Penta and the Santa Maria. And another thing that doesn't get discussed too often is the fact that the Santa Maria totally fucking wrecked during the voyage. Yeah, it sure did. On Christmas Eve of 1492, a cabin boy ran Columbus's flagship into a coral reef on the northern coast of Hispaniola near present-day Cape Haitian in Haiti. Its crew spent a very unmerry Christmas salvaging the Santa Maria's cargo. Columbus returned to Spain aboard the Nina later on, but he had to leave nearly 40 crew members behind to start the first European settlement in the Americas, La Navidad. When Columbus returned to the settlement in the fall of 1493, none of the crew were found alive. You know, I actually read an interesting fiction book about that whole expedition, and the way that they were talking about it in the book, they told it that Christopher Columbus was actually a Jew. And I believe the book was called The Lost Ark of the Covenant. Mm -hmm. And with Christianity grabbing its stranglehold on Europe, they were sending Columbus across with the Ark of the Covenant, and he was going to hide it in the <laughs> New World. He ends up getting stranded because of the Santa Maria and the wreckage of it. And I, I believe it's like in Jamaica that they ended up landing in, in the book. And they hid it in like some caves and stuff. And now like people are trying to find it for, you know, centuries. They hid it in the Sandals Resort. <laughs> <laughs> or what is that? Sex Resort? Uh, hedonism? Hedonism, yeah. <laughs> Don't go in the cave. <laughs> Dude. Oh, man. It's so funny. that it, it always cracks me up that in all those conspiracy theories, it's always about pointing the Jew out. <laughs> like, what the fuck is that? Why is it always trying to be like, you know he's a Jew, right? Right. Like, okay, well, and they're like, well, you know what that means. Not nah, a clue. No, yeah, what? Fill, fill me in there. Well, it means that he's been circumcised. Weird, me too. Oh, wow. Uh, he's got a lot of money, too. All right, uh, so you're going to make me say this out loud, aren't you? I, okay, I hate Jews. That's, <laughs> that's what it always comes down to with conspiracies, man. It's so strange. I would love to read that book because it's total bullshit. <laughs> it's total <laughs> trash. They can't, even, they can't even get where he landed right. <laughs> hey, it, it gave a, you know, it passed the time on a vacation one week, so. You it's know. true, but what it cracks me up, too, is that the conspiracy theory people will pass it along as it's like their rigorous science. They're yeah, like, this is their Bible. Read, have you read this book? The Lost Ark of the Covenant? It has pages, many pages in words. <laughs> so. <laughs> it's got to be true. Yeah. You're just. You've been lied to by the mainstream media. Columbus was a Jew, <laughs> and he started sandals and hedonism. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, but whatever, dude. He found land, and he realizes, actually, when he does find land, that the native people of this land uh, that he luckily stumbled upon, well, they seem to have a lot of gold. And they were very friendly, too. They were extremely friendly, and it's the saddest thing in history. They were God, like, it really is. They were like, hey, neighbor. <laughs> it's crazy. They're the equivalent of the person. It would be the equivalent of moving into a new neighborhood. Someone comes up with a very nice gift basket, one that has like summer sausage, a bottle of wine, <laughs> some really good mustard, and you just fucking blow them away on your front porch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like the mob moving into Ned Flanders' neighborhood. Yeah. Highly like hope. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, they have a ton of gold. And he also notices that they sure as fuck aren't Christian. And Columbus figures either convert these weird looking dudes or, you know, do whatever you need to. But get that fucking gold, boy. Give me the gold. Give me the gold. I want the gold. <laughs> well, I had heard that he had struck a pretty lucrative deal with the Spanish. Columbus stood to gain significant wealth and power from his voyage and terms that he had negotiated with King Ferdinand and Queen Isabella of Spain. Right. His contract with the monarchs called the Capitulations of Santa Fe named Columbus the Admiral, Viceroy, and Governor of any land he discovered. Yep. It also stated that Columbus could keep 10% of any merchandise, whether pearls, precious stones, gold, silver, spices, or any other objects that he acquired mm -hmm. within the new territory. 
So, you know, Columbus may have intended that he had noble intentions when he sailed west, but his agreement with Spain suggests that his intentions were far less selfless. Oh, certainly. And think about this in real terms. What he's doing and what Europeans were doing at the time was the equivalent of me showing up to the neighborhood across the street, planting a flag and being like, it's my fucking house now, assholes. Right. Yeah, exactly. It's crazy, dude. But they felt like it. And the thing is, when you really read into his sort of religious beliefs, he was like, my mission in life is to convert all these people. And anything I get in that conversion process is to the glory of God, which happens to be the people that are paying for my trip in Spain. Because actually yep. at the time, too, in Spain, you're dealing with Isabella and Ferdinand were waging the final war against the Moors in Spain who were Muslims. So it was like a holy war happening in Spain at the time. And in fact, Christopher Columbus was engaged in some of those battles, apparently, when they finally pushed all of the Muslims out of Spain. And it became a Catholic nation. And that's when you get the Spanish Inquisition and all that shit like that. You make sure that you're Catholic. Every time I hear about King Ferdinand, all I can think of is Ferdinand the Bull from (laughs) the childhood story. Yeah. It was a sad, I watched that movie with my son and it it was sad. Pulled on the heartstrings a little there, huh? It did a little bit, man. All right, so let's talk about all the shitty things Columbus did to these natives over the course of his four voyages. Yeah, that's not good. I believe one of the tactics that he used was that as they were coming into the new world, Mm -hmm. I mean, they were like these white guys on ships mm-hmm. you know coming in the natives have never seen anything mm-hmm. like that and they're like oh my gosh it's god or you know like mm-hmm. you know our savior you know and he he totally used that to oh certainly you know to his advantage there actually is a story and this is later on uh he actually was in jamaica not in the book not in the book he didn't have the ark of the covenant he was his sandals he was his sandals <laughs> And they were actually being attacked. And I believe if I remember reading this correctly or whatever, it was a point where it was like a very heated battle and he was concerned and they had taken some prisoners. And he knew that a solar eclipse was coming. After they, he's like, you need to release these captives. He's like, if you don't, he said, God is going to show a sign that he's very angry. But again, we think that they're like, oh, the Earth is flat. And Columbus is like, let's give it a go. They knew the math. They knew astronomy yeah. at the point. So he knew that an eclipse was going to happen. And he coincided that and was like, if you guys They were holding fucking- them out. Exactly. And they were like holding resources back from them, trying yeah. to starve them out. And he was like, my God's going to get pissed off and turn the moon red yep. if you don't give me some supplies right now. And they're like, whatever. And then a day later, it happened. They were like, we forgive you. We're well, sorry. But well he made him he made him pay for 48 hours. So he was like, I don't know what my God's going to do. Well, They're like, yeah. here, everything. Here you go. You got to You know, once you have the victory, you yeah. got to go ahead and, you know, he's got the nut. <laughs> <laughs> well played, Christopher Columbo. Christopher Columbo. First of all, Columbus forced Indians to collect gold for him or else die. Ouch. Which he figured was cool since they were not Christian and they looked different. Well, that's a good enough reason, right? Exactly. Do my deeds or die. Yeah, he was like, the Lord wills it. I need this uh, sweet gold chain. He said, I need that dookie chain, boy. (laughs) I need that chain of the Santa Maria around my neck. (laughs) It's it's my medallion. He said, I got that Jesus piece. (laughs) Columbus ordered every Indian over 14 to give a large quantity of gold to the Spanish on pain of death. Those in regions without much gold were allowed to give cotton instead. Participants in this system were given a stamped copper or brass token to wear around their necks in what became a symbol of intolerable shame. Yeah, Columbus uh, completely ignored the king and queen of Spain's orders. They actually literally told him, abstain from doing the inhabitants any injury. Like I said, he created in 1495 the tribute system requiring, like I said, every person over 14 to provide him with what's called a hawk's bell of gold every three months. Those who complied were given a token to wear around their neck. Those who didn't comply, as Columbus's own son, Fernando, reported, were, quote, punished by having their hands cut off and, quote, left to bleed to death. Oh, jeez. About 10,000 in what is modern-day Haiti in the Dominican Republic were victimized. Many of the indigenous people were, while alive, roasted on spits and burned at the stake, and the invaders hacked the children into pieces. Also, Columbus's men tore the babies from their mother's breast by their feet and dashed their heads against the rocks. They split the bodies of other babes together with their mothers on their swords. Now, this stuff is actually quotes from people that were there. So this isn't me saying whatever. This was actually in the journals. 
And they were super casual about it, writing this down. You know what I'm saying? They're like, how was your day? It was like, well, it's dashed a baby's head against the rocks. Jesus yeah. Christ. As noted by... In the name of Jesus Christ. Yeah, exactly. As noted by Spanish historian and Catholic priest Bartolome de las Casas, who witnessed much of the carnage, Columbus, in order to, quote, test the sharpness of their blades, directed his men to, quote, cut off the legs of children who ran from them. Jesus. His crew would, quote, pour people full of boiling soap and cause others to be, quote, eaten alive by hunting dogs. And if Columbus's brigade ran out of meat for their vicious dogs, quote, Arawak babies were killed for dog food. I don't remember that day in fourth grade. Mrs. Smith yeah, tell us about this. Say. On Hispaniola, a member of Columbus's crew publicly cut off an Indian's ears to shock others into submission. Uh, after an what? Attack, Huh? <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. Man, well, you know. They say comedy is tragedy plus time, so. <laughs> Falls on deaf ears. After an attack by more than 2,000 Indians, Columbus had an underling, Alonzo de Ojeda, bring him three Indian leaders who Columbus then ordered publicly beheaded. Ojeda also ordered his men to grab another Indian, bring him to the middle of his village, and, quote, cut off his ears in retribution for the Indians failing to help the Spaniards ford a stream. Jeez. Yeah. yeah this like is- Oregon Trail, when you pay the Indian to help you ford the river, <laughs> that's- I guess they just declined, and that's what you got Time back to caulk the wagon and ford the stream. Yeah. It doesn't work out. You hunt Cutting for squirrels. Your- oh, no, wait, that's right. You cut their nose and ears off. Columbus kidnapped a Carib woman and gave her to a crew to rape. Jesus. Uh, the guy's name uh, that raped her, his name was uh, Michelle de Cuneo, uh, who participated in Columbus's second expedition to the Americas, wrote, quote, While I was in the boat, I captured a very beautiful woman whom the Lord Admiral Columbus gave to me. When I had taken her to my cabin, she was naked, as was their custom. I was filled with the desire to take my pleasure with her and attempted to satisfy my desire. She was unwilling and so treated me with her nails that I wished I had never begun. I then took a piece of rope and whipped her soundly and she let forth such incredible screams that you would not have believed your ears. Eventually, we came to such terms, I assure you, that you would have thought she had been brought up in a school of whores. Oh my God, dude. Pretty hard in the paint. Not a lot of jokes to be made at this point. Jeez. But this is asshole court. Yeah. This wow. is the evidence. Columbus kidnapped and enslaved more than a thousand people on Hispaniola. Columbus ordered 1,500 men and women seized, letting 400 go and condemning 500 to be sent to Spain and another 600 to be enslaved by Spanish men remaining on the island. About 200 of the 500 sent to Spain died on the voyage and were thrown by the Spanish into the Atlantic. The jolly rapist, remember that guy, Michel de Cuneo? Again, he says, quote, When our caravels were to leave Spain, we gathered 1,600 males and female Indians on February 17, 1495, and we let it be known that any of the sailors who wanted to take them could do so. Columbus arguably pioneered a new form of slavery, right? A race-based and generational form of the brutal labor. In fact, as documented by one academic, a Dr. Lowen, Quote, Columbus not only sent the first slaves across the Atlantic, he probably sent more slaves, about 5,000, than any other individual. Wow. Jeez. You guys got any jokes? (laughs) (laughs) Columbus's treatment of the natives was so bad that they actually committed mass suicide rather than continue to be governed over by Columbus and his crew. From a book on the matter, quote, The Indians destroyed their stores of bread so that neither they nor the invaders would be able to eat it. They plunged off cliffs, they poisoned themselves with roots, and they starved themselves to death. Oppressed by the impossible requirement to deliver tributes of gold, the Indians were no longer able to tend their fields or care for their sick children and elderly. They had given up and committed mass suicide to avoid being killed or captured by Christians and to avoid sharing their land with them, their fields, groves, beaches, forests, and women, the future of their people. Do unto thy neighbor as you would have done unto you. Yeah, it always blows my mind in this stuff, you know? I'm like, did you guys read anything Jesus talked about? No. No, apparently yeah. not. You can use it for whatever you want, I guess. Columbus's destruction of the natives was so complete on the island of Hispaniola that 50 years after first contact, their total numbers dwindled from approximately 300,000 in 1492 down to 500. Yeah, oh. he decimated their population. 
Yeah. That's actually an interesting thing. The term decimated is a Roman term. And decimated itself actually means that you wipe out a tenth of their troops. So when you decimate okay. a troop, you take out one tenth, basically. But in he modern took language, out the ninety percent. Yeah, exactly. He decimated them. <laughs> hey guys, real quick, if you're liking the show, do us a favor and give us that sweet, sweet five star rating on Apple Podcast or whatever platform you're listening on. It does make a huge difference. Now, back to asshole court. <laughs> Settlers under Columbus sold 9- and 10-year-old girls into sexual slavery. This one he admitted himself in a letter to Doña Juana de la Torre, a friend of the Spanish queen. Quote, There are plenty of dealers who go about looking for girls. Those from 9 to 10 are now in demand, and for all ages, a good price must be paid. Ah, Jesus Christ, man. And Columbus wasn't just a dick to the natives. He was a dick to his own crew, too. Columbus's rule over Spanish settler was brutal. He ordered at least a dozen Spaniards to be whipped in public, tied by the neck, and bound together by the feet for trading gold for food to avoid starvation. He ordered a woman's tongue to be cut out for having spoken ill of the admiral and his brothers. Eye for an eye, tongue, tongue for, for a tongue. tongue. Another woman was, quote, stripped and placed on the back of a donkey to be whipped some more as punishment for falsely claiming to be pregnant. He, quote, ordered Spaniards to be hanged for stealing bread. He even ordered the ears and nose cut off of one miscreant who was also whipped, shackled, and banished from the island. He ordered a cabin boy's hand nailed in public to the spot where he had pulled a trap from a river and caught a fish. So it wasn't cabin boy from uh, Saturday Night Live. I, every Alec time I hear the term <laughs> cabin boy, I think of Chris Elliott. Yeah. And that is a weird fucking movie, man. Or do you remember, uh, oh, it was Canteen Boy. Canteen Boy. Uh, yeah. Saturday Night Live. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, so the guy caught a fish. They were like, nah, dude. Nail his hand to that fish trap, man. Whippings for minor infractions occurred with alarming frequency. Columbus ordered one wrongdoer to receive a hundred lashes, which could be fatal, for stealing a sheep, and another for lying about the incident. An unlucky fellow named Juan Moreno received a hundred lashes for failing to gather enough food for Columbus's pantry. Jeez, man. In fact, Columbus and his brother were so fucking horrible, right? And their crimes at the settlement so heinous that towards 1500, the then acting governor of the territory, Francisco de Bodadilla, arrested them for inhumane and widespread crimes against the Taino, Arawak, and Lusayan population and shipped them back to Spain in shackles. The evidence was so overwhelming that Columbus and Bartolomeo confessed and were convicted. So at a time when shit like this was accepted because you were doing this in the name of God and Spain. Even they couldn't stomach it. Right. And they were like, you guys got to rein this fucking guy in. But what did King Ferdinand do? That's right. They actually, you know, when they came back, him and his brother lingered in jail for six weeks before King Ferdinand ordered their release. Not long after the King and Queen summoned the Columbus brothers to the Alhambra palace in Granada. There, the royal couple heard the brothers' pleas, restored their freedom and wealth, and, after much persuasion, agreed to fund Columbus's fourth voyage. Jesus Christ. Yeah, I'll give you the money. Yeah. Look, hmm. man, I get it. You're a horrible human being and stuff like that. Even so bad that uh, our own people don't like you. You must have been under a lot of stress. I'm going to go ahead and let you out of jail. Wait, is that? Oh, you're asking for another favor? Well, what is that? Oh, you want to go back and do some more? Well, it's tough, but fuck it. Sure, why not? Oh, you get to keep 7% this time instead of 10. There you go. Yeah, in fact, they took away his governorship. Yeah. And that was a big problem because later on, he made a claim that henceforth, he should be allowed to 10% of everything in the future that they gained from him finding the new world. And it actually ended up, after he passed away, his relatives continued to sue the Spanish government. and Yeah, for like 300 years or something like that. Yep. Three centuries his family tried to collect on uh, what he was due. Riding the coattails. Sure. Of a monster. Yep. Uh, it was only a few years after his fourth and final voyage that Columbus would succumb to his health woes, which may have stemmed from sexually transmitted diseases combined with the rough conditions and reality of being an explorer in the 15th century. He dies on May 20th, 1506 at the age of 54, Columbus then takes his final voyage to a new world for him. Hell. Yes. 
There it is. Rightfully so. Christopher Columbus. Jesus Christ, that's not where I expected this to go. I am surprised. Christopher Colombo scores going up. Way up. Way Way up. up. The best thing I've seen, I think, in the past three months was when they beheaded that one statue. Where was it? It was in, I, I don't know where that one was at. I know they tore the one down in Minneapolis, and I was like, why is there a Christopher Columbus statue in Minneapolis? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, what's interesting too is that, like, interestingly enough, the reason that Christopher Columbus Day became a holiday and the reason that he became so much more famous, you know, he was already known for, you know, centuries before this, but his level of fame went way up in the uh, early 20th century because the Italians sort of glommed onto him. Because they were being treated bad right, when they right. came over and they were trying to say, look, as Italians, we've done a lot for the new world. And so they had the uh, Knights of Columbus, which was an Italian Catholic organization, and they actually lobbied for Christopher Columbus Day to be a national holiday and actually won out over a Nordic attempt to make Leif Erikson uh, have Leif Erikson Day. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, even though... The United States commemorates Columbus, even though he never set foot in North America mainland, with parades and federal holiday. Leif Erikson Day on October 9th receives little right. fanfare. Yeah, and he was he was definitely the first one, first European to come over. Yeah, he had like Canada 500 years before mm-hmm. Columbus even started sailing. It's at Newfoundland. Yeah. Sounds like they're going to take away Columbus Day. They should. They're talking about it, yeah. yeah they I should. mean, think about it. Like We just heard all this shit. It's yeah. a travesty, dude. Like, there's a certain point where I get it, where everybody, like I said, talking about, like, oh, cancel culture, woke, what, dude, the guy's a fucking monster. There's really no way around it. Yeah, he didn't sail into Plymouth Rock and, like, start the Americas, you know? No. His first expedition landed him on basically the beaches of Cuba. Yeah. Well, yeah, he landed in Hispaniola, which is basically the Dominican Republic and what's Haiti nowadays. So, I always, because there is a backlash for people saying, like, no, 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 you guys are over-exaggerating how bad of a person he was. But all of these quotes that I read earlier are contemporaneous reports. They were from people that were actually on these voyages, which makes them significantly more accurate. Yeah, sure. You know, so this isn't, this isn't a historian going back. This yeah. is actual firsthand. Firsthand reports. Yeah, 100%. And so if you are one of these people that are trying to defend Columbus and make a big deal about it, at this point, knowing what you know now, or what you, if you're listening to the show, what you know now, like you're either an asshole yourself or you're just ignorant. You don't know anything about what this guy actually did. Right. You're just believing the story that we were told in third grade that some dude with a cod piece and cool puffy pants fucking figured out the world wasn't flat. All of it's a lie. Yeah. He came Jeez. over here. He fucking absolutely abused the indigenous people of this place, stole gold, fucking screwed people over, murdered thousands of people indirectly or directly. He's a fucking horrible human being. Yeah. There's no yeah. way around it. Yeah. All right, so going up, obviously, on my score. Interesting things I learned today. I didn't know a lot about. I knew about the slave trading. I knew about the mistreatment of the people of the, you know, the indigenous folks when he got over here. I didn't know a lot about the details in yeah. regards to torture and yeah. cutting people's tongues out. And yeah, shit. it I wasn't mean, like, oh, he, he wasn't nice to him. He was mean to him. It was brutal. Yeah, sharpening Vicious. their swords or testing their sword strength on kids' legs. Yeah, doesn't That's get much insane. worse. Yeah, all right. I had this guy at uh, 6.0, mm-hmm. which was weak sauce starting in, jumping him up big time, putting Christopher Colombo at an 8.5. 8.5. I take that back. Not an 8.5. This guy's a 9. This yeah. guy is yeah. a 9.0. Good is, call. Total shitbag. He deserves at least yeah. a nine. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I started off with the 6.5 on him, and my score is also going to jump way up. You know, I knew about some of the slave trade that started off, you know, through his expeditions and stuff like that. I knew that we brought diseases over from our world to the new world. Certainly. It was actually exchanged, too, because syphilis was believed to be a new world disease, which got brought back to the old world. So it was a nice little, you know, like a Tupperware party is a trade-off. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, we deserved every freaking bit of yeah. it. They you got smallpox, I mean? which is real bad. We got syphilis, but back then it was real bad. Yeah. Real bad. Both of them are horrible, but yes, go ahead. You know what I mean? But, so, but I did not know, like Randy said, about these mass mutilations, these just, I mean, horrible treating of the indigenous people there. They're chopping up of their hands if they didn't bring you enough gold over mm-hmm. a three-month period and then letting them bleed out. 
testing their knives sharpness on kids and stuff like that. What was it? His first mate said that he basically gave him an indigenous woman just oh, yeah. to do with what he wanted to. Yeah. To and her. that guy seemed like he wrote about it like it was a fucking an afternoon. He, right. he was like, I went after this animal and me and this tiger sparred a little bit, yeah. but I beat it into submission, yeah. you know, at the end of the day. And that's, uh, you know, so, I mean, I started off with a 6.5, but I'm, I actually might be jumping up to the highest score I've ever given anybody on this show. And I'm jumping up to a 10.0. For uh, Christopher Columbus. I was about to say, because I was like, drum roll, please. This is our first 10. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to give him a solid 10. Yeah. There's I, no fucking way that I could give him any less. He is arguably the originator of the Atlantic slave trade. They killed babies. They killed children at will. They wiped out an entire fucking island of people from 300,000 to 500, a shitty human being that utilized, which, look, here's the deal. Everybody that listens to the show knows that I'm not real big on religion, not big on Christianity, but there are some valuable lessons that come from Jesus's teachings. And this guy used none of them. He used all the worst of them. So in my mind, he is a a con artist trying to con the uh, royals out of money to get things done. Yep. He uh, utilizes religion to get what he wants done. Yep. Uh, Mass murderer. Mm-hmm. I uh, just a generally horrible human being. A 10 is easy on this guy. Yeah. All right. So with a 10.0 from Mikey, a 10.0 from Buddy, and a 9.0 from Randy, Christopher Columbus's final asshole score is a 9.666 repeating. The highest we have ever had. Highest we've show. ever had. I would not have guessed that Christopher Columbus was going to be the biggest asshole that we've covered to this point. Nope. It isn't liberal cancel culture. This is a legitimate asshole. Every statue of this guy needs to be fucking torn down. Wow. Yeah. And think about how many cities and towns bear his name. Yep. Sure. Columbus, Columbia, mm-hmm. every in many, many states, those cities are very common. Yeah, absolutely. Hell, the country of Columbia. Yep. That's the origin of the name of the country. And it makes you really have to check the stories that you were told as a child about the people you were told about. About everything. Yep. If this is like, I mean, this is the flagship story of our mm-hmm. country. If that's, I mean, just on a bed of lies, yep. what else is? Yeah. It's always good to look into. Man, great show. All right. Thank you guys for listening. And as always, we hope you enjoy the show. If you like what we do, tell people you know to tune in as well. As always, your support is much appreciated. You know where to find us on all your favorite podcast platforms at AHC Podcast. Stay safe out there. Show each other some love. We hope you learned something and got a few laughs out of today's pretty dark show. Until next time, this is Asshole Court. And tear down your Columbus statues. (laughs) 